Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. My name is Neil Carberry, Chief Executive of the REC. Delighted to be back with you again after Kate Shoesmith filled the seat for the last couple of episodes. Uh, great podcast set up today as we look again at where the industry stands and take some views from uh, some industry leaders about uh, the way forward. It's been another busy week here at the REC, was really storming into September, delighted to host the REC's annual conference, REC 2020, on the 8th of September. That was a great day, one with uh, lots and lots of speakers and the biggest REC event in many years with over 900 people joining us. What we're doing with that is we're actually capturing some of the content from it that's of interest to recruiters and preparing a digital guide which will be available soon, so keep an eye out for that. Other things coming out uh, this week from the REC, we've got a report on jobs with KPMG uh, coming out on Wednesday the 9th. That's a, uh, a great look at the trends so far. And when you look at uh, that data, you can bear in mind the jobs recovery tracker, which was uh, published on the 4th of September. And we're definitely seeing evidence of a slow but steady return in vacancies to the market. More of a Nike swoosh than the big V bounce back and certainly led by temp rather than perm. That, uh, so do have a look at that report on jobs data when it comes out. And also available now, we're just bringing on stream our IR35 events ahead of the changes that are now inked in for April next year. So do take a look at, uh, look at that. More broadly, uh, I think three big focuses for the REC in working with government at the moment. Uh, firstly, making sure the next stage of government support works for the industry, uh, particularly thinking about some of the DWP programmes designed to support transition, where I think recruiters can be a gateway to uh, working with the government to get our jobs market running again. Looking at some of the policies that are needed to support demand in the economy and demand in the labour market as we run up to budget with the uh, uh, a real uh, a real sense that uh, things like changes to the apprenticeship levy and employers national insurance would be a real boon to getting people hiring again looking at some of the areas of legislation that stand in the way thirdly a lot of noise uh, this week again about brexit uh, very much back on the agenda as we head towards the end of the transition period in january so thinking about well how do we make sure that any trade deal that is done with the european union and of course any trade deal done with any other uh, market around the world, the United States, Australia, Japan, is fully respect, uh, respecting of the strength of uh, the UK's services economy and the ability of firms in the recruitment and staffing sector to trade internationally and to manage data effectively. So that's right at the top of our list. The REC's survey on trade and uh, seeking members views is still out in the field so do have a look for that on the REC website if you'd like to uh, feedback on what's important to you in those trade deals. Now let's turn to uh, the business of the day and I am delighted to be joined by two industry leaders today to discuss where we are and uh, priorities going forward. First of all, uh, fantastic to welcome Richard Vickers from Search Consultancy. Richard, you possibly had the uh, the challenging hand of uh, coming into the search job just at the beginning of all this. So uh, I suppose uh, what normal is in doing the job is a, is a bit unclear, but how are you enjoying being at search and how are things feeling just now? First of all, thanks for having me, Neil. Um, things are great, to be honest with you. Um, 
never never want to turn down a challenge. And uh, we had about six months prior to um, prior to COVID hitting the world, and uh, we'd started to make some good progress. Started to uh, make some tweaks and changes to what was already a very successful business. And obviously, then COVID, in some respects, could have derailed things. But I think actually has been an opportunity to have a different view of one's business and uh, come out of it, albeit not necessarily performing quite as well as one would have envisaged, um, but certainly with a fresh uh, approach to the business and how we can service the market effectively and deliver our own goals, um, not only to ourselves, but obviously for the people who work for us. Thanks, Richard. And joining Richard and I on, on the pod today is another Richard, Richard Bradley from Kelly. Richard, thanks for joining us. Of course, Kelly's business in the UK and Ireland, part of a, a major global group. Uh, how are things feeling in the Kelly group right now? Hi, Neil. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me onto the podcast. Um, yeah, Kelly, Kelly's world is good, um, but there's no withstanding that you know COVID-19 and the impact it's had, particularly in our business in the US, has been quite quite significant. One of the largest business streams we have in the US is education. Uh, we're the number one provider of educational staff in the US. And with the schools being closed for the best part of six, seven months, uh, you can imagine that's had a, a bit of an impact. But, you know, what's what's been really positive is to see, um, you know, the agility within our business and our ability to deal with situations like COVID-19 and, and, and uh, the markets that we're playing in seem to be relatively robust so we've kind of had mixed fortunes but generally i think we we feel we've got a few battle scars coming out of covid19 but i think we're, we're here to stay so i think you both put your finger on something that's probably worth us spending some time on the podcast discussing which is you know there's a sort of slightly hackneyed phrase doing the rounds at the moment which is kind of building back better but actually it's it's hackneyed and and cliched because it it resonates for the moment doesn't it i mean we all know that in any any moment of crisis is also a moment of creation as people do things differently and i've said to the rec team there's so much that we do here now uh, that we weren't doing in February that I don't want to lose as we go back to whatever the new normal is. And from the point of view of uh, recruitment and staffing businesses, pretty clearly, while the market has dropped away, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's bouncing back in its usual way, 10th first, perm later, um, it, it's very likely that everything that's happening just accelerates and uh, amplify some of the trends that were already there. So I suppose from a from a search perspective, Richard, and you hinted at there there being some big opportunities to to grasp. Where do you think the uh, the real kind of growth of the sector is going to come from? In let, let let's abstract from um, the immediate COVID in the next two, three, four years. I think the areas of growth are. Can come from a diverse area. I mean, much of it is just doing what we've already done, but doing it in a more efficient and effective manner um, and trying to differentiate ourselves as a result by giving a better service to both uh, candidates and clients alike. I think we've got to ensure as a provider within the marketplace that we have to have a more flexible approach, try and deliver more efficient uh, practices, as well as also looking at how we can incorporate new technologies to ensure that we can deliver a service that differentiates ourselves from other people in the marketplace. And I think out of this, you, you will see that many organizations will look at giving a better level of service to the clients, a better level of service to the candidates. And I think the uh, the industry is having an opportunity to do something it hasn't always done very well, which is innovate. 
that that's really interesting because there's two bits of that. One is about you know what can we automate, what can we make more seamless, how can we improve productivity, and the other side of it is you know how are we how are we using the people that we have to deliver better service? Do you think there's a there's sort of an internal uh, staff development and refocusing challenge in that for for firms in the sector? Would that be fair? I think so. I think. The market clearly over the last decade or so has become more and more commoditized. And by becoming commoditized, I think that the actual day-to-day functionality of what people do can become commoditized. And um, I think out of this, you know, if we can ensure that there's better learning and development provided to our staff, that there are better technologies and that we create a culture where we want to deliver excellence, I'd like to think that as a result, the industry can step itself forward and provide just better levels of service, better quality of service than sometimes perhaps the transactional methodology is delivered. I think that's a really interesting insight because one of the challenges with um, you know, a business model that works is that you just keep it working and you don't often lift your eyes to the horizon and think, well, how could we do this differently? And as you say, there's an opportunity here for us to, to do that because we, in many ways, every leader in the sector is remaking a business um and as we as we go back i mean from a kelly perspective uh richard um i'd just be interested in your reflections on that view about kind of the changing nature of of the industry and how we serve clients because i think uh, we saw a trend towards really quite deep relationships with clients and things like msp but maybe they were always still more commoditized than than maybe we now need to be heading for? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with Richard and some of his conversations and comments around you know the commoditization of, of of recruitment in the industry. I think we've seen we've seen a lot of that, and you know things like MSPs. I think have actually driven. Uh, and I know we run a number of MSPs, but I think they've driven strong relationships with clients and we've built some great relationships with the suppliers, but they can also alienate uh, organisations and clients. I think the big thing right now is about relationship building. And I think what we've seen during COVID is is clients not wanting to be sold to, but they're wanting they're wanting data, they want insight. And I think the ability to be able to provide strong relationships based on good intelligence and being able to help organizations navigate their way forward is going to be absolutely key, whether that's as a traditional staffing business, whether that's as an RPO provider or whether that's as providing an MSP. That ability to be able to help and inform, I think, has become more important than it's ever been. And I think that that search for insight and data from our clients is going to be very, 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 very sought after. So give us an idea of the sorts of things you're thinking about at Kelly, about how you you as a business kind of step up to that challenge. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we, we were we were quite lucky um, in the fact that about, about three or four years ago, I think we realised as an organisation globally that, you know, the markets were changing and the, the, the ability to be a generalist provider of staffing solutions is going to become more and more difficult as the market progresses. So, you know, we've taken a, a real focus on becoming more specialised in what we do in the industries and the sectors that we work in. And, you know, in the UK, for example, in Ireland particularly, we're very strong in life sciences, but people wouldn't necessarily 
think of that when you think of Kelly. So we've done a, a lot of work around specialising in what, what we do and where we focus. I think also Brexit has um, had a real impact in terms of how we started to look at shaping the design and the solution of how we deliver our services um, and breaking away perhaps from some of the more traditional 360 type roles that we've seen in the industry to have dedicated sales delivery and what we call our talent care teams. Um, and interestingly, for a, for a US business, we've led a lot of the thought process that we've looked at from uh, a US perspective and how we're shaping our organisation off the back of how we need to be flexible and agile to be able to deliver in this new world. Um, but a lot of it is around providing data through our project resourcing team that we've set up, which is you know, it's a halfway house between the staffing industry that you would normally look at. Um, it gives you that sort of agility that clients are looking for. But with some of the technology, with some of the the insight and the data that you might expect to get from an RPO provider. But people don't necessarily want that commitment. They want that kind of halfway house. And that's where we're looking at innovative solutions is, you know, not just technology and how can we help clients become faster or more efficient, but what insight and how we deliver those services, how can that be done slightly differently to almost be adding and being seen as an extension of their team rather than a third party supplier, as we quite often get branded? It resonates with a lot of what I'm hearing from industry leaders, particularly the, this whole thing about how do we move from a culture of having one consultant with one relationship with one person in the client, if they're operating outside some of these more complex MSP relations, and into what where we're putting teams around clients so that senior people on our side are talking to senior people in you know HRDs and, and so forth on their side about the future planning, as well as having a discussion with the core team about immediate needs and, uh, and meeting them effectively. That whole piece around whether 360 is fit for purpose for the future, I've heard reflected back to me by a lot of uh, industry leaders. So it's, inter it's interesting to hear you pick up on it as well. Richard, from a search point of view, how does that, that thinking about the nature of relations with clients resonate? As you said, I've, I've only been with the firm a short period of time, but I'd have to say that one of the key things I found when I came here was just how strong some of the relationships are between search and key members of our business and our clients. We have some very large clients with a long legacy of experience of delivering for them, and that's the foundations upon which the growth of this business has been delivered over the years. Thanks. So there's definitely something here about more senior, more involved relations, whether you're um, uh, doing something as formal as a big long-term MSP relationship or just maintaining a, a, a client in a more traditional relationship, that piece around thought leadership and structure and, and a service base. Some of that's about buying the right technology. Some of it's about upskilling uh, staff. I, I get all of that and I think it's a, it's a fascinating agenda and one which you obviously will share. Um, sort of the the third end of this triangle, though, is you know, is ultimate client demand and the the amount, how far we bounce back quickly versus uh, slowly. So, in terms of the market at the moment, um, are you sort of glass half empty or glass half full about the UK's labour market recovering at, at the moment? Maybe we'll come to to you for search first, Richard. 
depends what day of the week it is, to be honest with you, Nick. Um, I think probably whether I can say it's a glass half empty or full, I would say that from our perspective, we operate in two key areas of the market. So whether it's the high volume, what one may call, one may term the blue collar side of the market, which is predominantly temp. Um, that obviously took a hit initially, but it was far more resilient than we expected uh, and has actually uh, bounced back at quite significantly over the last, probably I'd say the last four to five weeks. Um, could it have possibly plateaued right now unless we get a clearer message from the government? Yes. Um, but I would say that that area of the marketplace um, has been somewhat positive for us, has kept us in a positive position throughout the whole of this process. And the people that have worked within it have done an excellent job to uh, take their jobs remotely and, and still deliver. Um, the area which has been tougher without any doubt is uh, the more senior end of the market, the professional services type area, uh, which can obviously be both perm and temp. Um, but the temp market is obviously showing much greater uh, signs of recovery. Um, perm less so. Uh, there are a few green shoots of uh, hope coming out in the last couple of weeks and our performance has become much better within it. But there certainly is a lack of confidence on both sides from both candidates and clients. Uh, to either recruit in volume or actually proactively be going out looking for a new role in the uh, current conditions. From a Kelly point of view, does that resonate, Richard? Uh, yeah, I think it does. I mean, I, I, I was laughing, I was on mute, but I was laughing when Richard said, you know, it depends on what day of the week it is. And I think, you know, that that's so true. I, I think, honestly, I, I feel genuinely quite positive. I'm, I, I'm a, uh, a glass half full sort of person. Um, and I think the, the UK economy... Um, is going to be up for some challenging times, but I think it I think it can survive what it's been thrown at it, and with the the introduction of uh, of Brexit, and we'll have the joy of all of that starting up again um, very very shortly. I do think it's going to be challenging conditions, but the UK is a, is a strong economy, and I think I think we will be okay. I think. I echo what uh, what Richard said in terms of you know we've seen a real a, a recovery of sorts in the in the temporary market, particularly in the blue collar space. We've seen people, uh, and and whilst not necessarily uh, comparable year on year, we're definitely seeing growth in those markets. The, the differentiation I would say is that interestingly for us, where we play in more niche markets like life sciences and renewable energy and engineering. We haven't. We've seen a slowdown, but impermanent. But we've still seen plenty of opportunity. So our, our permanent numbers are down, but they are still consistent, and there's still quite a lot of activity happening in both the UK and Ireland in those more specialised markets. Where I think we've seen a real impact is the sorts of the sort of market that you have, which may be, say, for example business support, general office, clerical, uh, lower to mid levels in HR, in legal, in procurement, those types of areas. It, it's almost like that sort of mid market has absolutely died death. Um, we don't see very much in, in that space at the moment. Um, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One you know, you're you're looking at um, clients trying to find niche and difficult talent, and that hasn't stopped. So those roles are out there. But I think clients are also really unsure about what's going to happen next. So they're taking a time to breathe and pause. 
but you're also finding the availability of talent. You know, let, let's not get away from the fact there could be, you know, an additional couple of million people um, in, in, in available for work in the employment market um, that could fulfil quite a large number of those types of roles. So I think the recruitment industry is definitely going to have a very important part to play. But I think a number of our a number of roles and sectors may be impacted by the fact that clients will look to to do things themselves in certain areas because that availability of talent exists. So it's it's a bit of a mixed message, and that that obviously changes again depending on whereabouts you are in in the world. And we've seen some some interesting um, changes across some of uh, some of mainland Europe. Um, France particularly has had a really challenging time during COVID nineteen, and you know the the, the temporary work is, is racing back almost back to two thousand nineteen levels. So it's really interesting. Whereas Portugal again massively hit for us as a as a as a region it's coming back but it's not coming back as fast as other areas so it it really is a sort of a, a conundrum and i think the the next few weeks with brexit is going to have a real impact on what may or may not happen in the uk economy and how quickly it bounces back i think um, that whole piece about confidence is really important uh, if i could sum up what we're saying to government and for the REC at the moment, we're saying in the press, a piece in the Telegraph at the at the end of August on behalf of the REC, is that you know how do we restore confidence to hirers and candidates to get things going again? And some of it is about um, confidence to return to the offices, uh, as we've already uh, discussed. Some of it's about uh, confidence in the path ahead, and one of the kind of reasons tempers recovered quicker than perm of course is that it's easier for client, the client side to build up confidence for um uh, to to bring on temps than it is to to our perms although we've definitely seen that trend that you know richard about specialisms um it for instance in our uh, surveys is clearly much less effective from peak to trough than than most other sectors and that i think that sense of specialism um, will be a, a critical part of some of the transition work we need to do, kind of pushing and supporting people into into growing areas of the labour market. Um, if you had one shot at a, a message for for uh, people outside the industry, either clients or the government, right now, just to close us off on this podcast, what's the one thing that you'd say to to a major client, or if you want to Dominic Cummings and and Boris Johnson, Richard? Why don't uh, you go first for search? I think clear and positive communication uh, to the government. Um, I think it would be really important for them to encourage people when we're safe where it's safe to to get back to work if possible because you know if we don't stimulate the economy it's going to be extremely difficult for uh, for recruitment organizations to prosper that's for certain uh, but i think that the larger just on a larger scale i think the uh, the sooner we can get back to the new normal as it may be um the better for everybody concerned uh, i'd also reach out to the governments and say uh, extra clarity on any of the initiatives they have uh, i think there's been some um good ideas but I think actually uh, clarity on those ideas often helps for them to be uh, as effective as they possibly can be. And then work with agencies. I know you asked me for one thing, Neil, but like a typical recruiter, I'm trying to get three in. Um, I think there's uh, an opportunity to work with recruitment agencies because I think we, rather than seen as somebody who um, can often be seen as 
contrary to what the government's trying to achieve, I actually think in this instance, we really can do something to help um, the economy and to help everybody trying to get back to work, uh, specifically on things such as the Kickstart programme. I think if we work in partnership uh, with the government, there's an opportunity to get a far greater number of people off universal credit and back into the working world, stimulating the economy and helping uh, make a difference for those people. Thanks, Richard. And uh, I know you both were on the, the recent call we had with uh, Mims Davis, the employment minister. And I think what was heartening about that is towards the end of the call, she was very positive about the potential for the sector to really make a difference. Um, the critical thing is how we follow through on that now. And, uh, and as you say, there's a real need for government's interventions to be clear and simple and not accompanied with sort of 600 page forms as they rather too often are. Um, Richard, from a Kelly point of view, uh, I, I feel I have to offer you at least three things now that uh, uh, Richard's redefined the rules, but uh, <laughs> what would you share? <laughs> um, yeah, do you know, I agree with a lot of what Richard said. Uh, I, I really do. And I'm not just saying that because we're on the podcast. I think, you know, I know Richard and, and, and I think what he says makes real sense. I, th I think the the message to 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 the recruitment industry um, is understand your value um, and understand the role that you can play, um, and whether that's to our clients or to government through the the likes of the REC and APSCO and all of those people that are are, are pushing to to lobby and and add value. I I, I genuinely loved having. Um, that warm, fluffy feeling from from Mim Davis around uh, how we can be supportive. I'd just be, I'm just sceptical, in all honesty, of whether whether they will, whether it's this government or any other government, actually listen to the experts. Um, I think one of my concerns is is it's become very clear that we have um, uh, we have people in government that don't necessarily understand some of the key challenges they're facing and i think the need to engage with industry and bodies like the rec to actually help navigate this way would be my advice to to, to the government um, also it would be to understand the need for a flexible workforce uh, and again i think both of those messages echoed back to to those people in uh, in businesses around understanding the value that the recruitment agencies can bring to to an organisation. You know, the industry's been around for a long time, and I think it will be around for a lot longer. Um, and I think there is it, the reason it's there is because it can add value if it's used in the right way. Um, and again, I think it's very much around clients understanding that we're un, in, and I hate to use the word uncharted territory, but it gives us much more opportunity to really look at your workforce in a more blended way. You know, stop thinking about is this a temp role, is this a perm role? You know, what what is what is that needs to be completed, and and actually, what's the best balance to be able to deliver what you need to deliver, and then find partners that can really build those relationships and add value. That they're, they're my two pennyworths. Well, I think you won't find me disagreeing with uh, with much of that, uh, Richard. I think a lot of what we're trying to do at the REC and people have seen the kind of change of look and feel and the brand and the tone of voice that we now use is really about pride in the industry and what we can deliver. And you know, as you both reflected, this is a real opportunity for us as a sector to step up, both uh, individual businesses working with clients, but also the REC through our good recruitment collective, but, but also in the representation we do with government. Really Really get making sure 
that we articulate the value the industry uh, delivers and uh, and are clear with government about what's needed to move things on. Uh, things on. And I, I, I'm hopeful that you know the the work that we've been doing over the last six months is a platform for a new and different standing for the for the industry in the years to come. Thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. I think it's been a really interesting discussion and really appreciate your time. And thank you to listeners for joining us too. If you uh, enjoyed this, why not check out one of our other recent episodes? Uh, I heartily recommend uh, episode 35 if you're interested in what's going on in health and social care with uh, James Rook of Sanctuary Personnel. Or uh, if you uh, want to return to the uh, gift that keeps on giving, IR35, uh, episode 36 with Emma Agumang of the Financial Times is a really good listen on the path ahead for that. But for now, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. And I'll see you all again soon on another episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon. And check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. So subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.